Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn, and joining us once again is C.R. Rowanson. We'll be calling him Clark throughout the episode. Uh, I can't really call you a special guest anymore, but it's weird to just call you a co-host, but <laughs> whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll get around that. I'll, I'll get over myself and we'll get into this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, second part of our, uh, world building session that we've got going on. So last we left off, we had a world coming in from Levon, which we have turned into Wuxia tower, uh, as I always suggest, this is the second part of a series. If you if you haven't listened to the first one, I suggest that you do. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, follow, click on the link, follow the instructions, and within no time, we'll be building your world live on air, like we're doing now. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come in, talk about stuff with us in person, I mean, that's not really feasible, but we've got a discord to ease that kind of uh, need that you might have. There's a link for that in the description of the episode. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous or just want access to our sweet, sweet patron only episodes, you can click on the link in the description for our Patreon and give us money over there. And without further ado, all that shilling out of the way, it's it's hard to shill, guys. I, I mean, it really is. I, I, I have to say, it is not my natural inclination to shill, but I'm glad that it's over with. Anyway, last we left off, we had a twist, which is war is sports. And normally, I kick it over to my co-hosts, and especially because, you know, uh, technically Clark is like kind of a special guest. But to kind of bring him into the fold, I'm going to shove him to the side so I can get out my reconciliation <laughs> for the twist first, uh, which is... I want there to be a, so, so I was approaching this kind of setting war is sports. We've got a tower. We've got high fantasy with a slight focus on wuxia stuff. That's really cool. I'm concerned that all we would have is basically just like another tournament fighter or another tournament arc in an anime. So what I've done is I've introduced a system into the tower that there are 36 different recognized quote unquote sports or masteries that you can achieve in order to help you ascend to the top of the tower. Because in the original episode, Daniel had mentioned that the flare at the top is a beacon to many people. And so I've, I've decided to codify that. And there are now 36 different uh, masteries that you can achieve scattered throughout the tower in all sorts of directions and all sorts of sports as well. This I'm, I'm drawing a lot of inspiration from, uh, well, not much inspiration, but some inspiration from, uh, the 36 chambers, which is an old oh, Kung Fu movie. Uh, so the 36 chambers of Shaolin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Daniel will recognize that as the movie we went and saw for my bachelor party. We went and saw RZA do like a DJ thing over the movie, which was amazing. Um, that's just a brag. I don't know why I added that in there, but, uh, yeah. So, so that's the idea. I, I, I had this concept because I think it adds a lot to what we're trying to add to this tower, which is not just combat sports. I'm thinking that you have to master a number of skills that will eventually help you in this ascension to the flare at the top, stuff like swimming or jumping or just like basic skills. And, and the other thing, I, I know that I'm monopolizing a lot of time, but I, I, I have this cool idea and I want to get it out there. The other thing that I thought would be interesting about this is that there's no set number for you to get to the ascension, the ascended top. So you can have one and still make the journey to try and make it, right? And this, I think, is interesting because it leads to quackery, you know, like fake kung fu schools or fake martial arts schools. They're like, all you need is my school. And then it's the perfect scam because you're training these dupes and the dupes are going to come back dead. So you keep their money. It's like the perfect scam. And only people who like, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot that we can do with this type of thing. I'm going to shut up so I can allow my co-host to kind of come in and talk about this. Uh, I, you, as you can tell, I'm just very excited. So yeah, by all means, go ahead. 
Well, that actually dovetails in very nicely to what I was thinking is I I really wanted to introduce the concept so for not just war as sports, but conflict in general mm-hmm. is some kind mm-hmm. of sport. So I, I wanted to add in this facet where uh, most, if not all, like challenges and disputes are settled through contests. Like I know you wanted to step Ooh. away from like tournaments. I'm not just talking about tournaments. We're talking, uh, we're talking duels. We're talking art contest, swimming sure. rate, races, that kind of stuff. Because part of my familiarity, anyway, with the the Wuxia style, you have these, you have all of these like named heroes, these epic people mm-hmm. who have developed specific attributes and ways they go about things, and this seemed like a interesting way to really promote that because then you might have a whole caravan where they have one really strong swimmer and they have one person who is just a master of poetry and calligraphy so that when they meet the road, they're like, okay, this guy's a master swordsman, but we're fighting over these resources here. We're Mm going to challenge him to calligraphy. Oh, that's fun. I like that a lot, actually. It, so, so it's like a, or or maybe there's like a, maybe, and maybe there's like a neutral zone where it's like, you've got calligraphy, I've got swordsmanship, we can meet in the middle and do this other third thing, you know, like as like a neutral ground setting, or or maybe there's a whole codified system of how challenges and duels work, where you can choose neutral ground or neutral uh, contests, so to speak. So there's a, it's encouraged to be good at many things, you know? Right. And depending on how ridiculous you wanted to be, it might become a combined thing where you have for the competition between a swordsman and a calligrapher is that you have to get a well scribed glyph on your opponent. Yep. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Whether with a paintbrush or by cutting it into their cloth with your sword, you've got to get the glyph and then the quality of the glyph determines who wins. Right, so uh, a simple Zoro Z yeah. is not going to be doing the most damage here, right? <laughs> I like um, how this reflects to the idea in this genre of um, self-mastery, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would want to see that I feel like is lacking is, um, and although the, the conflict here is against oneself, um, I feel like in an epic fantasy, we still want some kind of very tangible antagonist or antagonisms. And so I'm mm-hmm. not sure what that would be. And I think maybe that'll arise from our factions later. But I, I I think it's cool to have these tiers of ascension, potentially, of mastery to get to whatever the player is. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking that the very tower itself is enough of an antagonist. Like, there's already the evils that come from the uh, from the, the core and the ocean and stuff like that. So that there there's already some kind of conflict. And then on top of that, you have the Ascension, which is going to be a massive challenge in and of itself. That was kind of my thinking about the major conflicts anyway. I, I do agree with you, Daniel. I think there is room for human conflict in there. And I think mm. there there's definitely some stuff with some of the factions that I have in mind that I think will really lend to that. Because we're mm. talking about creating a more rigid and formal sy- system of challenges and victories right of of mm-hmm. all forms and anytime there's mm-hmm. a system there's loopholes and ways to take advantage of it and, and you want to destabilize it yeah yeah there, well, there will be people doing that i i think that's partially why i was so drawn to this idea of like mastery of the 36 different forms because to me that is like there is some kind of symbol of your mastery it's not like uh you're walking around and you can just claim it. it's like you have to have like either a medal or a ring or a sash or something like that, that indicates that you are a master of this thing. There is some level of authority. And the, uh, another reason I was so kind of taken with this concept is that it also encourages wandering heroes to be a thing because you're, you know, you go to one place, you master this particular practice, and then you've got, you get the sash, you get the badge, whatever it is. And then you move on to the next place to, further improve yourself so you can eventually make that journey to the mountaintop right i mean the different plateaus will be known for different forms Uh, i mean if you wanted Mm. to do a full duplicate then it would it could be the 36 shelves or the 36 plateaus 
Uh. Yeah, 36 levels. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that doesn't necessarily work out because we're actually really limiting the space in that way. Yeah, I, I, I'm we, just saying if you wanted to do that in terms of a absolutely. single story. No, no, no. I, I, I totally get it. Yeah, 100%. And there's, it sounds like there's two kinds of stories, too, that are possible, like in this setup. Like if you wanted to zoom really in, you could talk just about... Um, a group of heroes attempts to be better, right? And to achieve yeah. whatever they're trying to achieve. Um, however, if you also want to incorporate um, kind of the larger fantastical concepts, concepts we've put in place. So like there's the mis- the mystery of these people's origins. There's a cyclone mm-hmm. in the center that spews mm-hmm. out evil. There's the unknown uh, mystery of the flare. Um, I think then this stuff becomes kind of the lattice that the story is working mm-hmm. with. So like, there's a systems of mastery in place. So then like kind of to Clark's point, how do we subvert that to then create conflicts that are on top of that? And Absolutely. I think that's where we can, in, where our factions might answer that question. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you now, mine absolutely does not, but I do have <laughs> thoughts about that, but we haven't heard from Daniel about your reconciliation with the twist. Daniel, what did you want to add to this that Clark and I haven't already talked about? Like we've, we've already input our stuff. So what's your concept that you're working with? I mean, honestly, I was totally fine with tournaments. I was hoping to possibly do <laughs> some kind of um, twist on a tournament. Um, but I think I can work that in through my factions. Okay. Well, and we okay. can still do the tournaments. I think the idea yeah. is just so that it wasn't only the same. Yeah. Right. No, I like exactly. I like this because it can be like a framework in a way that all of the the cultures in this place are similar. Like that they share this in common like this idea of mastering themselves to get to the top. And that's cool because that it's a sports based thing. Like I really like the yeah. idea of like the swordsman and the calligraphist calligrapher calligrapher. Yes. Like working, working on this in the same duel. And so maybe the swordsman's dexterity with their weapon is, you know, drawing this mark on their, on the coat versus the actual calligraphist drawing on them, you know? So like, that's a cool sport thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, I, I guess I'm not sold on the conflict of the whole setting being that. I think there's a chance for us to do something even more on top of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we have so many. I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, we have so many opportunities for small interpersonal conflicts between mm-hmm. individuals. Uh, and, and I think one thing that I haven't really expressed that I think is... Um, I, I think it is kind of like ingrained within the Wuxia setting as well is this idea that there is some kind of a corrupt or not necessarily evil, but let's just say like corrupt or, or fattened bureaucracy that is often the counterpoint to the lone or wandering hero. And so what might be interesting to kind of convey that in a lot of ways is through the 36 different offices that offer these these masteries right and what might be interesting to add an additional level of conflict is every x amount of years kind of like the olympics you know there is a contest to be the host of whatever that mastery is because oh your style of jumping is is outdated and awful my school's style of jumping or calligraphy or sword play or whatever it might be you know like there's a contest to show your own mastery and that's inter that's between many different schools and many different uh, layers and stuff like that. How, how do we feel about something like that to add an additional level or layer of conflict? I'm, I'm absolutely digging it. Cause then, then you have so much stuff from the standard uh, Kung Fu style movies, like all of the competitions between houses, you can have some very karate kid type stories where there's there somebody gets brought into the world and is challenging it for reasons of either person, a sense of personal security, a personal sense of self-worth, but that brings them into a conflict between two schools of a specific mm. mastery, each of them trying to become the, the main school for whatever reason. Mm. Um, I, okay. So I actually want to jump in with my faction because I think this is going to uh, provide a lot of interesting hooks. And, and definitely, I do like the idea of there being specific organizations for each mastery. But I wanted there to be a faction. Uh, in my head, I've just been calling the ar- them the, arbit- the arbiters, the arbitrators. Mm-hmm. And they are just 
They are people who can formally oversee these challenges and duels. Uh, and so they we are wearing out referees then. More or less. And they, they are an organization that has the authority to declare winners. And depending on how fantastical you wanted to get, they can, they are the ones who either you, if you wanted to, I would go the route of them doing like using magic to actually enforce some of the contracts and mm -hmm. maybe even having things where they can generate miniature arenas and stuff to make it more interesting. Um, but within that, these people are obviously supposed to be neutral, but there's all kinds of potential for mm. manipulation and control and corruption uh, because they could set out the conditions in such a way that one person cannot win while oh, yeah. still there's, looking like it's fair. Absolutely. There's always the classic trope of the corrupt referee or official who like, doesn't see, doesn't, doesn't notice when the bad guy is cheating because they're paid off and, you know, there's all all sorts of good stuff that you can you can do when it comes to that. Um, Daniel, I want you to step in and talk about this for a minute because I feel like you have some opinions here. I, I like that as a, a way to embody um, what you were talking about of having potential hosts like that's that they're vying for. Um, so, like, if these arbitrators oversee that process, then there's the opportunity for like corruption, I guess, like among the various groups. Um, so then it gives you more of a of a really society story you can tell um, when it comes to the different like peoples that are doing these sports and trying to better themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. One thing I, I, I'm I'm actually very torn here when it comes to these referees, Clark, and I'll tell you why. Uh, one, I love the hook in the idea that there are humans who can be paid off and, and whatnot, like who, who, over, who oversee these things. The other side of me wants to make it a lot more fantastical to the point where some of these arbiters are like completely uh, alien or outsider in nature. They're like celestials that have divine like judgment over these particular contests. And I think that we have an opportunity to do both where yeah. maybe like lower Can contests they come from the flare? what's that? Can they come from the flare? Yeah, of course, Daniel. Well, of course, Th that's the thing that I wanted to integrate is that the tower itself or the flare is like, is like there are rules that it's trying to enforce. And that's weird in and of itself because we talked about this thing kind of being like an organism last time. And oh, maybe this they're shepherds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones who are ultimately the ones who decide who are allowed to ascend to try and like reach the flare. Because they're right? trying to shape better heroes, right? If exactly. They're arbitrating. And then, but then the question is, how do we, how are they corruptible? That would be interesting. Too. Well, well, see, that's, that's what I'm thinking is that the, the ones at the very top, the ones who are weird celestial bodies mm -hmm. and beings, they aren't, but their subordinates right. are. And that's right. where you can get like, really regional local mm -hmm. scumbag fucks who you're just like, Ooh, that motherfucker. He hasn't passed a single mastery person in X amount of years because right. he doesn't want his precious student to be beaten. You know, that type I mean, of story. If, if they're like angels too, like the ones that are really at the final, the final tests, like they send, they kind of go down and act as messengers to their human arbiter, arbiters who were below. And those are probably the ones that are corruptible. Like you're saying, yes, like, so exactly. like the truly weird ones at the top near the flare, like, you can't really mess with them, but they they go down or pass along the rulings so, to those below. Exactly. I, I'd, yeah. I'd like to push on that a little bit and maybe morph it slightly, because um, I've really been enjoying the idea of just the tower functioning. And for whatever reason, I'm not entirely sure. I am a little less infused, enthused by there being a actual personification of the tower. Mm -hmm. But I would really like the idea of if there are specific places. Um, where maybe they're not from the tower. Maybe they're, they just, mm. maybe they have taken up that charge, but they're not actually of the flare. Okay. Yeah. That could they, work. they, they say that they speak for the tower, but in mm -hmm. reality, they're like their own faction or have I, their own morality. I, I do really like the idea of there being very specific locations or possibly very specific events where the energy of the flare is regulating things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that might be part of like a single ultimate tournament or maybe that's actually what the mastery challenges are right that's where the the the, the tower itself is the arbitrator um and in theory everything else is supposed to get you ready but in terms of the corruption i was kind of picturing it is if you have these people who are supposedly interpreting the will of the tower yep uh, i see yeah that alone uh just no, all I, potential I like for that the misinterpretation serious yeah i like that yeah no i i also like that as well i and i think that we can probably do this uh we, we can use like kind of an old school philosophy where these ultimate arbitrators are like alien gods that we don't really understand. So maybe we can, that's where we can add in uh, the kind of, but uh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. I think what we can do is we can also have it. So there, there are these celestial beings that maybe that's where the interpretation lies, right? Where these hmm. things are these weird primal gods that aren't actually gods. We're just interpreting them as such. You know, when you look at, oh, I want to learn how to wrestle and there's like a bear that is supposed to be the avatar that is somehow instills energy or power, or at least you can divine some kind of a, a, a fighting style from it. But then that creature is just living its life, doing its own mysterious, weird thing. And then there are the the speakers for that celestial bear who this is how you're supposed to learn how to do that thing. Does, does yeah. that make sense? Does that make like some kind of a... Does, does that kind of jibe with what we're going on, what we've got going I mean, on? The here? way you can interpret that is too, is it's like maybe they are heroes themselves who have yeah have lost their humanity because it seems like all of the beings that are sentient in this realm are forms of humans. As far as we've understood so far, like they're humanoids some in of, some way. Yeah. I, I yeah. They talked derived. about some weird, you know, like hybrids and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. I could see like a fiery angel sort of character at the top. Who's really just like a really enlightened being that believes truly that it is of the flare, but it's just itself a hero, you know? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Potential, potentially failed heroes or maybe actually ascended mm -hmm. heroes who didn't achieve all of the masteries, but just a couple. I did also, I was also thinking humanity or, all the people in the tower came through the vortex, through the sea. Right. So I see no reason why there couldn't be a smattering. Like, we're, we're already introducing evil and monsters of a variety of kinds. I see no reason why there couldn't be some that are sentient and might themselves end up developing some of the masteries. Right. Oh, so some of them could be monsters. That's cool. Yeah. So if there was just a highly intelligent bear that developed the wrestling mastery. That's actually really cool because it also implies that you can learn the masteries from these evil creatures and or quote unquote mm -hmm. evil creatures in some way. Or they, you know, like, oh, the evil squad brought a team to like fight for the mastery title this year or something like that. That actually it raises stakes and I think is kind of interesting because it makes it so they're less just elementally evil in some ways. What well, I'm, I'm picturing having a reason now to go into the darkness to absolutely to, to duel with the being that's there you know yeah oh yeah that that totally works i think and then you you have the opposite as well where the holders of the titles of mastery suddenly become targets for everyone else right 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 mm. but yeah that that was my faction was the arbiters or the shepherds i do like the shepherds yeah that work i, I think shepherd works too yeah uh, Daniel, what did you have in mind for your faction? Because I like what we've got going on here. I want to hear from you. What do we got? I was thinking of uh, ways to make this um, go to the next level of like epic fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to start with a group of, of creatures that are seemingly small and innocuous and like have it open up to really something big. So it's this it's technically two factions in one. Um, so I had you know I love cheating with technicalities <laughs> on the factions, Daniel. So please tell us. I'm picturing like some innocuous kind of like flying squirrel kind of humans somewhere near the very peak. And the reason why they've evolved that way or they've been magically, you know, changed because we're saying there's weird different kinds of humanoids is because mm -hmm. they're so high up that like the winds are crazy. So having light bodies has made it easy for them to get around. Of course. Um, and they're, they're the keepers of like some kind of special secrets or relics or something that have been around for a long, long period. Because we go up to them to their little terraces to find ancient information but mm. the, the, the the spin would be with them is them they also kind of glide out off the terraces into the winds 
beyond like the boundaries of the Ooh, tower. Yeah. And that's where this the second faction arises, which I would love everyone to really help build. But I'm picturing because to raise the stakes of the whole setting, um, some kind of outlanders from beyond the tower who are from their own tower and are an invading force. Of some oh, I, lo- I, I just want to say I love the idea that it's another tower. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the idea of bringing in multiple towers now from like, yeah, yeah that that's really cool. I know I it's was... premise breaking, but I'm okay. That was like... going to be my only question. Yeah, is it... I, yeah I, I agree. But, but I don't want I don't want to see the tower. I just want to bring the outlanders in. The the other thing, um, I I do really really like that. I do really like the outsiders who are causing problems, and not everybody necessarily knows about it. Mm-hmm. If if we wanted to keep it more in vain of, of a single tower, how would you feel about if there were levels much much lower where they only exist on the extern they only exist externally? Because we've talked about how there are plateaus and shelves on the outside of the tower exposed to the elements, and then there's all the ones inside, and you get closer and closer to the core and the vortex. So what if these outsiders are only they're they're literally just outsiders down further on the tower there is no way for them to get inside other than to travel um through the core up into the regions above and maybe that's maybe that's how they're invading and trying to raid and that kind of stuff i don't know if that would still fit with what you were thinking but that way it could be outsiders while still having it be part of the tower itself what i'm trying to introduce is deliberately premise breaking so like i want them to emerge from the clouds and the horror of seeing something from beyond the limits of their world i think is the key to how they work um and i don't know what i mean they could very well if you want if you want to make there be one tower they could very well be from millions of years ago from this tower gotcha this this is your obligatory great old one Yes. Uh, well, this is this and is also <laughs> this is yeah. also Daniel going back to his roots of like deliberately trying to fuck with the setting, which <laughs> I, I support in many ways. I mean, and they could they could be human. They could very well. I mean, one way I sure. was thinking about it is maybe they are outlanders who used to rule the tower, and they were cast out into the into the void. And they might returned, I suggest you know? something? Mm-hmm. Um, I have an idea that may or may not work. I like this idea that. When these squirrel, the flying squirrels, like glide out into the mists, what they see walking towards them on spindly legs, whether they be like spider legs or crab legs or whatever, is actually a tower. And the idea that a broken piece of a tower is oh, now man. shambling towards the main tower, yes, it suggests so much mastery and alienness yes. to this other faction that you're like, oh, fuck, this is terrifying. 200%. Yes. 200%. I love that because it also is just how old this must be having yeah. been broken off from the tower. And that brings it back together where if, and it may not be immediately obvious, but at some point if they bring back a sample and somebody does an analysis and like, oh, wait, it's the same material. This is a piece of our tower. Yes, I like that. I like that. That's how we don't really break the the premise, which I think is fair. Right. But we can still make it so there is like a secondary, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there, again, mystery, like, where do these strangers come from? Why do they have a piece of our tower? Are they the same? Are they different? Like we can really mm-hmm. go in a multitude of directions. That Were they we the can... first to emerge from the cyclone? I don't know. Like, exactly. exactly. There's so right. much that we can learn and like speculate. Like that's, that's how you know you've got a great idea when there's suddenly like you break the rules and you add like a completely new mystery level to mm-hmm. what we're fucking talking about here, you know? So I, I don't care how we define them. I just, that's all I want. <laughs> so, my question. Leave that to you guys. My question to you. The piece of tower that is ambulatory. Mm-hmm. Is it walking because of magic? Is it walking because of biomechanics? Or is it walking because of technology? Yes. I think that is a good question to ask to help differentiate from the original tower. I punt that to Clark. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's called passing the buck, Dan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is that a sports reference? Punting, I believe. Uh, Punting is, in fact, a sports reference. Oh, I'm proud of you. Look, Got yeah. One. Yeah. So I'm You'll, not sure we actually need to define that, but I am curious as to why you want to define that. I, I just think it'd be fun. Okay. Okay. Because, um, yeah, if, if we just wanted to do it for, for fun, the things that I would find most interesting... Um, well, I think because of what we've been building up with the tower, the tower itself is a is a giant uh, a giant mystery. So I would be interested in it being um, a kind of blend of biomechanical, where it's something it's something of the tower, but not but it's obviously not right. Mm. So maybe this piece broke off and then something happened to it and has changed it from the way the rest of the tower functions, but it is very clearly connected into the functioning of that remaining chunk. Hmm. So we talked about like the roots and the veins of the flares. So maybe something happened and the veins in this piece uh, became corrupted and they're actually what sprouted out into the legs. Gotcha. Um, so yes, <laughs> to kind of all three because we don't really know what the tower is at this point Uh, yeah i think that's fair i i think i was just trying to add like i want a moment where people are taking out their like their their uh red tape and like their cork board and they're trying to figure out what exactly the tower is by being like well, this is obviously biomechanical. So the tower itself has to be biomechanical. But wait, this other thing, you know, like that's like I'm trying to approach it in that way, like where we're adding mystery just just inherently, you know? Yeah. And I, I, for me, I think that definitely does that for me. It kind of kind of puts out all of those questions as to how how is this working? Um, and it could be a combination of Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really liking the, the imagery of just what they would recognize as the golden veins of the flare are now just like, they're like washing uh, tentacles walking through. Yeah. Like, they're just the blue and silver. Tentacles. And yeah. instead of curling through the structure, they are all extended outward. That's cool. Yeah. I can, I can live with that. I think that works for me for sure. Yeah. And this also, this also opens a, host of possibilities because we as we learn more about the tower right the reason we have plateaus is because parts of the structure have collapsed right yeah we said that before yeah 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 we're, we're missing rooms we're missing floors so there could be a lot of these in fact you might have ones that are entire floating fortresses where just an entire closet fell off <laughs> Yeah. Or, or something like that. Oh, and what you're also doing by suggesting this is now there is a layer of like rubble at the very bottom of this world that is essentially, you know, like the underworld, but it's literally just like broken pieces of the tower all collapsed on its. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool imagery. I like that. I mean, what's what's helpful about this from a world building perspective is we have this element of the question mark mystery of you've got these outlanders that are out in the world. They have a piece of the tower, right? So there's many ways to answer the question of how, like, for example, with this rubble, you could say, oh, in the very beginning, for whatever reason, there was a war that it, 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 this, it created the necessity for the system of, of contests, right? And the people that were on the losing end of that war fell in the rubble and have been wandering the, the void for so long and now have returned to take back their tower. That's one way you can use this element. Sure to reconcile it, right? Mm. Or you could say, like you were saying, Clark, like, because the, the tower is falling apart, there's a whole, there's actually a whole society out there in the winds living on these hunks, and they're trying to reclaim the tower because it's a stable place to live. Like, you could approach it different ways. And it I, still all meets the tenant because even those people floating around, the extent of their universe is still the walls of the tower. It has exactly. just separated mm. from the tower. Absolutely. The, the other thing that I'm kind of interested about as well, or, or this, I have this evocative imagery is like, I, because we, there's still the, mis- the mystery of the flare at the top, right? I'm just thinking that the person who actually gets to the flare, like when you're ascending, for some reason, I have this idea that you're ascending above the mists of the tower. And once you reach the ascended peak where you can actually like basically reach the flare, you can actually look out, uh, 
you're you're above the cloud cover and you can see everything and like this massive expanse which might include other towers or pieces of tower. I, I I'm just tossing out weird headcanon fan fiction that I've got that, going on here. That's all. That would be an awesome ending to like an epic fantasy series. Somebody finally makes it to the top. They defeat the big bad evil guy and they look out and they see dozens of other of players. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That is epic. That's that's I mean, but like we're like jumping ahead like we this are. the end of like book six. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We haven't even gotten the final faction yet. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. Well, <laughs> see see that's the thing. I actually decided to do something weird and okay. interesting and new because I was thinking about factions and I was thinking about like Wuxia and I was thinking about all this stuff and I'm like, well, I don't really want to do like a corrupt imperial like state because like that's, I don't know, that seems kind of like boring and I didn't really want to do like an imperialist thing because I'm like, ah, I feel like we've done that a lot. You know, we haven't done yet a faction consisting of a single person. (laughs) Okay. So I I decided that uh, my faction is going to be one person or one entity, I suppose. And they're called the beast who plucks the life from your chest. Uh, They're also known as the hero slayer, the devourer. And they're essentially a mysterious figure who hunts heroes and those who seek to ascend. So they're essentially drawn to the people who gather mastery. And they're like, they have no seemingly no rhyme or reason. And it's not like they collect the mastery off of the body. They leave it there as like some kind of like a, a marker or something like oh, that. That's right. Fun. Yeah. So uh, it could be a person. It could be a human. It could be like some divine thing. I don't really care, but I do like this idea that it is often shrouded and like not much is known about it because of the way it lives and strikes and exists. So I love this hero boogeyman. I just, I love it because it's just like creepy. You could just toss it in there. It's kind of like, you know, when you're like, you're you're finished with the meal and you're like, yeah, I could just add one little spice to this. And you just, (laughs) you just, you just hit it with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, he's also kind of a walking plot device, which I think is fun, Mm -hmm. you know? And there's lots of ways to explain his origins, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, I, the, again, the mystery that you can create, compound and confound people with is like, that's what I was really intrigued by. Yeah, no, that's, that is solid. Before, before I forget, I do just want to step real quick back to Daniel's faction. Um, Cause the name that popped into my head for these flying squirrel type people was just the lore chasers. Oh, I actually wanted to go back. Thank you for reminding me, Clark. I actually wanted to go back to Daniel's idea as well. Um, I have this idea that they're also partly couriers of some kind. Um, That's cool. Because, I mean, if we're, we're, I mean, they're able to traverse up and down fairly easily, right? They can ride trade winds, draft winds, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But the other thing that I, I find to be really fascinating is what if part of their job was to take the relics or the very powerful items and equipment that the heroes lose when they fail ascension and then they squirrel they literally squirrel away away. somewhere (laughs) else in the tower like because again it's they're they're squirrel people they hide things like i think Mm -hmm. it's thematically appropriate that's exactly what i see i see a little bunk place with a little tiny one stuff with crap (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's what I was thinking, the lore chasers, right? They're running after these little bits of history and lore and heroism and then just taking them places. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then if you need something, they're always the ones you go to because they have they have collected it. Something very important, obviously. Nothing like, hey, I need you to send this letter or something. I feel like that I feel like the lore chasers themselves are like above that kind of thing, that they're above the mendanity of things. Mm-hmm. Like that's but that's why you have regular couriers and these folks are just like ascend like these they are a big fucking deal, you know? Mm-hmm. But they're probably very, very polite. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. These are these are like the the people who will absolutely kick your ass yes. but while being super polite and being humble about it, you know. They're they're like Jackie Chan. They're yeah, like yeah. Jackie that's Chan exactly if it. they were also flying squirrels, you know. <laughs> Which is basically, I mean, that's how fast he is. So you know. I'd say he's faster than a flying yeah, squirrel. That's true. To be fair. Now, I did 
and so like we bounced in one direction. I did want to bounce back to your hero killer because yes. I know you said that you didn't want to give necessarily like that look, but I would love to like brainstorm some looks because mm-hmm. the second you mentioned them, I was picturing like some fucking weird like Asian inspired like mythology monsters. Oh, like, like an Oni or something like that? Yeah, like very bizarre looking and like, you know, almost 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 in the vein of, of uh, classical angels in the Bible, but the eastern asian version Mm. of that east asian version (laughs) i would love to give it some kind of a distinctive noise or like look in some way to indicate that it is what it is i had in mind that it's literally just a collection of masks like it might look be like like a semi amorphous blob that has all these different types of masks hanging off of it so when when you hear it coming it sounds like wood chimes in some kind Uh, of way you know yeah that's cool yeah, uh, but it, I could also just see that as like a cloak of masks, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it like eventually when it when it's time to fight, it takes off this cloak and reveals its true form underneath, which I think might be kind of helpful to to add that mystery to it. You know, like people look at it this way. It's like a cryptid, right? Where like when you think you see it, it's not actually what it is. Oh, and then I could imagine like heroes who have fought, like one or two heroes who have fought it and survived but they're like forever scarred having witnessed its true form and mind you when they say that they fought it it would it just they were just in the way of it trying to do another task yeah yeah that's that's how i see that it's it's oh. not like they fought valiantly to the death it's like no right. they this like tried to try- engage it yeah exactly and they got like demolished immediately yeah because i could see i could see like some portion of the story where the heroes proper are trying to make it to destination b and they know they've heard the tale tale of this creature being in their way and they go off the beaten path to this like hermit's tower on some tier to to talk to this old hero who has been stripped of his mastery Mm. who survived but he's like a shell of whom he was yeah tell them you know the one thing they'll need to possibly get past this, you know? And like, of course that information might be completely wrong Mm -hmm. as well. And then they really got to like pull together as heroes to figure this out, to survive. I just love the idea that the heroes are traversing some like perilous, like ravine or like caves or, you know, like something similar to a cave. And all of a sudden they just start hearing like something that sounds like wind chimes and they're like, oh, fuck. That's a fucking one shot right there. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got to go. We got to go immediately. That would be so cool. Like rain. There's obviously rain. Yeah. And you know what this does? I think uh, the reason I'm actually looking at it now, why I find it so interesting is this turns what should be like the most like superheroic like giga powerful like people and suddenly mm-hmm. you're a victim in a slasher movie yes like, you're you're no longer the hero who mastered seven styles you're just another smear on the boot of this thing because and, like the biggest thing is at stake <laughs> like your literal mastery that you've worked all your life for is yeah, at stake exactly. so it's like the ultimate battle for these people okay and, and, and yeah 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 absolutely so i really really like the imagery of like a cloak or seemingly like body of masks and i have been silently stewing in the background and i think what would be incredibly creepy would be if so you said the the beast that plucks the power from your chest it's the beast who plucks the life from your chest that plucks the life from your chest I haven't quite nailed it down, but I thought it would be awesome if that was part of the calling card of its victims is if the masks it wears are from its victims, Hmm. whether not necessarily their face, but like something that it pulls from their chest that represents like their masteries or, or represents like who they are or something they're most proud of. It's like it's collecting things. And it is coming and it pulls out that life from your chest in the form of a mask. And then maybe that's what's left on the body is there's just a piece, a chunk that is missing that looks like a face. Hmm. In Japanese mythology, there is, and we're going to have to move the location from this, but there is something that is like, it's an orb that's representative of your soul. 
And in Japanese mythology, there are monsters who they literally, and this is why I think it's like the concept is silly, but the, the, the concept is cool, but there is a silly aspect to it that I want to try and remove. But in, in Japanese mythology, there's a concept where you have an orb that represents your soul and it's basically inside your asshole. And there's no way for me to get around that without it sounding ridiculous. And there are, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's like a monster that is like known for literally ripping your asshole out and taking your soul. And like that concept works really well with what Clark is trying to get at. I'm not creating a monster who rips your asshole out. So maybe from the chest works a little bit better, you know? So like they're literally yes. ripping the soul from a body. Uh, yes. through the chest in some way. I think that might work a little bit better for what and we're going on with here. Part of what I thought was particularly creepy is rather than it just being a standard injury, it it does look like a piece of sculpture was removed from their body. Oh, so, okay. So it's 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 like a perfect mask shape that's been removed from their chest. Yes, where, it's where like the imprint from the mask that it has ripped away. Yeah, a hundred percent. That so so you have like grinning faces on like a, a cadaver, essentially, right? Yeah, or sad faces, or ones with like one dripping yeah. eye, like whatever mm -hmm. it was. It pulled from that person. That's what's left on the body. And and so this thing is actively adding to its mask collection every time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We nailed it. I, uh, Daniel, if you say that we haven't nailed it, you're a fucking liar. I don't know what I to think tell it's you. I think it's perfect. I what, <laughs> one it's other beauty. thing that I want to add to that, though, is it's it's not... You see this a lot in folklore, right? Where there are weird quirks to some of the monsters. Like, yeah. You'll see that with... Uh, a lot of times with devils, right? Where you throw, you throw out the grains of rice and then they have to count all of the grains. Mm -hmm. there's actually a number of stories about very similar to that dealing with like dragons where they're afraid uh, or like they can be warded off with a rainbow scarf or a specific type of insect. So there could be all kinds of lore about how to distract this beast that might come down to either objects or acts that represent perfection of a mastery or a mm. horrifying flaw in the mastery. So <laughs> Like one of the things you can do to ward it is if you can drop a piece of paper with a unrecognizable, completely unreadable piece of calligraphy. And then mm. it is just obsessed with fixing it or something like that. Oh, so, or, or, or there, there is also, I believe there's also something similar to that where it's like you drop straw or rice, like you said, uh, Clark, but instead maybe it's like they have to read a book or read like a scroll or something like that. So having it longer and complex and stuff like that would also allow like artists and artisans to have this kind of like divine place among people as like, Oh, I'm, I'm a really like obtuse writer, right? Like we, Daniel and I were literally talking about Thomas Pinchon like last series. So it's like, all right, here's gravity's rainbow. The, the, the mask has to read this thing in order for it to like chase you or something like that. It's just a voracious reader of some kind, you know? Yeah. And I don't know quite what that would be, but I, I liked the idea of there being, even if they're not true, that being the kind of mythologies where it's these weird things that don't necessarily make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. um, but where then you might be able to have a clever hero who's like, it has to accept any challenge. Right. And maybe you challenge it to compete against itself. Oh, that's interesting. Like or, somehow or things tricking like that. it, somehow tricking it into like a contest with itself. Yeah. Hmm. That that's interesting. I think that could work. Yeah. And we don't have to develop it further. I just like yeah. the idea of there being that kind of mythology. Uh, I like that where, extra layer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes 100%. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And people don't, you, you don't really know without learning the true nature of the, the monster, which we're not going to get into here. Right. Uh, well, no, that would ruin the whole thing, of course. Uh, we just I have just options, to... which is great, you know. Yeah, I think adding that is very important. Uh, I, I do want to. I, I remembered the name of the thing, by the way. Uh, the 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 idea of the the soul in the ass is is called a shirikodama from Japanese mythology. So you can look that up. And uh, if I'm wrong about it, uh, nerds, let me know, uh, please, by all means. All right, so. 
with all that out of the way, we've we've gotten our factions. We've gotten the reconciliation with the twist. We've also added so much. There's like, this thing's a fucking parfait of an, it's an onion parfait with how many layers we've added to this already. And there's so many mysteries. I'm loving all of this so much. We're going to run through the the next thing, which is the main quest. So what are we thinking for a main quest for this particular uh, setting that we've got going on here? And the, remind, reminder, we have to add in all three factions. They have to play some kind of part within the main quest that we're dealing with. So what are we, where, where are our brains initially going with this? I don't know. My brain is defaulting to restoration of the tower of some kind, mm. whether some Ooh, systems okay. are broken or it literally needs to be made whole again. That's really what my brain keeps going to. And maybe that's what all of the masteries are about, um, is developing people who have the right skills to deal with these variety of pieces. I think that's what I personally would be most interested in. Something having to do with the reconstruction or restoration of the tower itself. Right. Okay. There's a curveball. What if... um the cyclone has has stopped and fallen in and there's a hollow core and this is causing some kind of a structural issue. It would be interesting for the heroes to have to solve the mechanism of their own doom. Otherwise, they're all doomed. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to add to that twist and I'm going to say that Daniel's outlanders are the reason that it stopped. Like their nice. arrival has stopped the the vortex from swirling. Or it's at least slowing and they're they're getting that progression of like we have to do something or it's gonna stop and we have learned enough that if mm-hmm. it stops, that's actually a big problem. The, the close yeah, falls. the closer this walking tower gets to them, the slower the flow of the oh. vortex is. It's like draining it somehow. Mm. Somehow, mm. yeah. It's like it's it, imagine the world if the tide suddenly stopped, like how bad that would be for everyone on Earth. It would be yeah. bad. It would be bad, you guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that a lot. Uh. Okay. So we've got that. So so how do we add in the beast? It Because I imagine, right, if these are heroes, that the beast has the answer to this question. And you don't have to beat the beast, but you have to see it and 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 out and outsmart it in some way or at least get around it to its lair or something that has the answer to what's going on or the the MacGuffin that they need to break this enchantment or whatever. I feel like the beast is kind of like the obstacle in the way and it's like, wait a minute, we have to do what? We, I'm we have to you know like something like that. I'm also a huge fan of taking problems and turning them into solutions. So I think it would be amazing if that's part of it. It it has squirreled away some kind of information the lore the lore chasers can't get to. Ooh. But part yeah. of the ultimate solution is having some kind of conversation with it or communication mm-hmm. with it and being like all of this stuff that you're collecting, right? You're getting bored, you've gotten so much of what you're looking for here. Over there, yeah, are all too. kinds of new things that you can't even imagine. That's really good too. Also, uh, it's not that the lore keepers can't get to it. It's that the lore keepers gave it to the beast for safekeeping because that's how important this bit was. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Ooh. All right. I'm doing the Antonio Banderas gif right now. You know the one that I'm talking <laughs> about. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, well, what what else do we need? We need to add in your uh, referees, Clark. We we need, because that's the only thing that we don't have yet. Well, I mean, since so much of this tower and conflict resolution resolves around these challenges, they can fit in pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, but um, we got to have the matter. It can't be. They can't just be background. They can't be window dressing, man. They got to be important in the plot somehow. So, so what if a lowly person in the shepherds? ends up being the main character that goes along on this quest and creates the final terms for the challenge with the beast. It's a that diplomatic ends up getting mission. them the access to the information and getting it sort of on their side. That's great. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. I was going to suggest like, oh, is this a, like a, a fallen hero who has to redeem himself in some way? Because some of them are, um, are uh, that's what they are. But this is even better because they're, they're even less 
of a of a, of a influence, but they're the main character, so it's even more fun. Exactly, you know? and, and this is like the beginning of their hero's journey as well, of course, where we, exactly. you don't know that you're following the one who will ascend because to to everyone else they're just like some referee or some kind of like lackey of some kind, and then they are becoming the major, not chosen one, but they earn that through conflict and this incredibly dangerous mission and all that good stuff. Well, and also who better to learn the masteries than somebody who goes around judging and, ch- and setting the challenges of all mm-hmm. of these masters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've just never bothered to do the challenges themselves because for whatever reasons, they don't think they're worthy or whatever. And then when they're forced into the light, it's like, Oh, like they've I've learned, been training with these people be, right. all through the tower. And I'm actually quite good. <laughs> They've watched masters do this. And so like they've picked up tips and tricks throughout all of these different masteries and they might not be a master of any of them themselves, but they're good and crafty enough to and steal like important bits and pieces from others where they're, where they can use that to their advantage throughout this quest that we're doing. Yes. Yeah. And I could very easily seeing them like they train on their own. And when they, when they do these bouts with masters, I mean, that would be fair. Like you approach the winner and be like, you did really great. Could you just like show me some stuff? Yeah. Uh, could you just like, even the loser. Crit- like I yeah. practice on my own. Could you just like critique my form? That's good. That's really good. It, it, they're the ultimate fanboy or fangirl. Right. Know, like, they're just like, Oh man, can you sign my, can you sign my shawl? You know, like something <laughs> like that. Okay. Uh, do we need to add anything to this? Daniel, what do you think? No, I think it's pretty good. Like we pulled in all the different um, little teams we got going on. Even your sec- even your secret double faction that you added—that makes I sense. Know. Yeah. Okay. I thought my flying squirrels would have so much fun. I, honestly, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to like flying squirrels as much as I did. But, you know, <laughs> it's there. Uh yeah, I think that's it. Honestly, uh, we, we we nailed it. We did it in one. Uh. A big thanks again to Levon for suggesting this world in the premise. I hope that we did it. I I had a lot of fun figuring this premise out. Oh, I, I mean, so I don't good. know what it's. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast. And Clark, huge thanks to you for coming on and doing this uh, doing this series with us. Could you take a moment and shill yourself and let people know where they can find you, what books you have out, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So I am Clark, or you will probably find you will find me online as C.R. Rowanson or the Magic Engineer. I have a website, just crrowanson.com. I am also on YouTube as the Magic Engineer, all one word. And in both places, I talk about how to craft and repair magic systems for your stories. I'm also a developmental editor and writing coach working with all kinds of storytellers. I have two books out so far, both of them nonfiction. One of them is called The Magic System Blueprint, which is a tool I've developed to help people quickly get a holistic understanding of their magic system and how it can fit into their story. And these guys actually had me on their podcast a while ago, uh, last year or so, to go through the blueprint. So there's some good episodes mm-hmm. on that. And That's, a, that's an extra shill for us, Clark. That's incredibly skilled. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and... It's 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 better if we don't call it out, Rob. But I'm just really bad at that too. So no, I like it. I, I'm I'm look. I'm all about openness when it comes to shilling. Trust me. <laughs> uh, and then my second book is just a workbook on that walks you through 15 exercises on how to identify where you need limitations in your magic system and helps you come up with some really killer ones. And what's the what's that book called? That is restrictions may apply. Building limits for your magic. Excellent. Uh, Clark, thanks again for joining us. It's it's been a pleasure. Um, You're definitely coming back at some point. I don't know when, but it probably won't be as long of a wait. Let's put it that way. I certainly hope not. Yeah. Uh, That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Follow the... Click on the link, follow the instructions, and with a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. Uh, if you want to come and follow us on social media, we are on Twitter at Let's World Build. Uh, we tweet out stuff every occasion. It's what it is. Uh, if you want to talk about talk to Clark in a Discord way about world building, if you want to come tell us that, you know, the, the whole like soul in your anus thing is not actually real. 
You can do that by clicking on the link in the episode description and following that to our discord. We can chat about stuff, whatever. Uh, if uh, you want to, if, and of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon where we have all sorts of sweet stuff like access to patron-only episodes, uh, early access to episodes. There's Just go look. Just click on the link. If you don't want to give us money, that's fine. If you do, hey, that's good too. That is it. Remember that we love you very much and we're going to get through this together until next week. <laughs>